This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Hey, we got a big study here, and take your Bibles and open with me now to Revelation chapter 1. And I was refreshing myself with some of the thoughts that I had wrote down a couple of days back, and I'm amazed at the wealth of information that literally leaps off the page of one verse or part of a verse. And I love to study the Word of God that way. As I have already said, Revelation is a big, big book to study. It's a big, big chunk of your attention that's uh, essential to get this. And so I would encourage you, if you have something to write on, to take as many notes as you possibly can, saturate yourself in that, uh, because there, there are so many things that when we read this, by the time we get to almost another verse, if you don't write something down in the previous verse, uh, it's, it's not easy to retain unless you immerse yourself in this. So I hope that's what you'll do in the study. We've dedicated ourselves to see it through. And I hope that you will be blessed in the end. Now, I want you to, we've already been through verse number one, and I don't want to spend any time going back on things like this um, because of the magnitude of the task that's before us to uh, take this book in an expository manner. So we're going to begin with verse number two tonight. And with this particular verse, there are several observations that I have made. Now, if you have been through this, I don't know, some have, but maybe you at some point in your life, you have studied and you, you have come across the nugget that you have for some reason remembered and Maybe you even have something wrote in the margin of your Bible. Don't forget those. Those are crucial, critical things. And I pray that there'll be some things that you come across in this particular uh, exercise that uh, it will be uh, retainable as well. But several observations for me personally, just in this one verse. And I want to read it and then make some comments on it. Obviously... If you, well, you look at the last wording of verse one, because that's imperative of launching into verse two. And signified it by his angel, look at this, unto his servant John. So keep, keep that in mind, unto his servant John. Now having understand that John now is the point of reference. John, verse two, it was John who bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So verse 2 has three important elements in it. And again, this is not a study that you can read and just brush through these words and say in Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't work like that. And I want us to look at it very carefully here because John 
He was selected by God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He was selected as the official record keeper of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was selected by the... It's, you know, John, my goodness, what an incredible man he was. At the foot of the cross... When Jesus was about ready to bow his head and give up the ghost, I preached a sermon series on this at some point. The thought is fresh in my mind, and maybe if I say this, it'll ring some bells for you as well. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus was about ready to die, he didn't look at James, his brother, and say, hey, now look, you go home and take care of mother. He did not entrust his mother into the hands of those siblings that were there. He looked and he said, John, John, take care of mom. Now you think about that. It was John whom the word says that leaned his head upon the breast, the bosom of Jesus. The word said that disciple whom Jesus loved. And now we see him, John, who's getting perhaps the greatest prophecy of them all. So the point being here, from from the latter part of verse number one going into verse number two, we understand that it was John. He was chosen to be the record keeper. But notice this carefully, that he would record, look at it, who bear record, He was not only entrusted with the mother of Jesus at the crucifixion, but he was entrusted to take this prophecy, this word. God had, God could trust him. I was just talking to somebody today in my, my office and I said, the reason why God has blessed you so much is because God can trust you. God can trust you. And this is so true. Of John, he was entrusted with so, so many things. But look at this carefully. Who bear record of the word of God. Let's break that down just a minute because it's John that's testifying of his encounter with Jesus as this revelation is given to him. And John has been entrusted not only to to bear record of it, but that he would communicate it in an accurate manner, that it would be exactly the way that it was given to him. But this thing here, the Word of God, it was another little sidebar study for me as well, because this phrase, the Word of God, that's an expression oftentimes popping up in the Scripture that is reflective of a prophetic message. I want to show you, I want to give you three Old Testament references to this and then um, move on from it. But but it was worth my study, so I hope it's worth yours. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27, they'll get these scriptures here quickly for you. Just write them down if you're taking notes and you can go back and reread them again. But 1 Samuel 9.27 says this, And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. 
But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. Now that's precious. I want you to see this also in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 4. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord or the word of God came unto Nathan saying. Now, 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse number 22. But the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, I could give you references like this throughout the scripture, but let me narrow it down for you in our study of Revelation because this expression, the word of God, it's used and it occurs five times in this book alone, in the book of Revelation. The word of God, the word. When I got to that part, it reminded me of John's gospel Chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is incredible. Now, the phrase that comes behind this, the testimony of Jesus Christ, this is teaching us that there is no circumstance, there is no situation where God will ever contradict his word. This Bible is built, it's the breath of God, and the integrity of God is woven all throughout the scriptures. And so when you read this, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the Bible is saying that God who cannot lie in Titus 1-2, he is going to be who he said he is. He is who he was and is and yet to come. Now, a lot of what Jesus taught us in the scriptures when we go back to the Gospels, uh, and particularly I'm referencing uh, the Olivet Discourse, which, by the way, I think probably contains one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached. But a lot of what Jesus taught way back in the Olivet Discourse is taught in Revelation. So let me break some other things down for you here. This gives you a, a solid understanding of what verse 2 is all about. This was an interesting observation for me uh, because I want you to see this particular part. If you look at the end of verse number 2, and all things that he saw. All right? So God the Holy Spirit gave John permission to take accurate records and to speak of, to tell of everything that he saw. Things he didn't understand. Things he could not put a finite mind to. God said this, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he said this, John, I want you to tell of all of these things. You write it down, you be accurate. And he said, I want you to tell all of the things, not only what he heard, but what he saw. Now, why is that important to me when I study this? Well, if you, 
And this is something that I don't want to get in the habit of right in the front of Revelation in our study. But there are some scriptures that I need to go fast forward with and it will draw us back. So watch this scripture right here. There's something very important in it. In Revelation 22, verse number 10. Write that down. Because this this was amazing to me. This was one of those moments when I studied. I, I said, wow. And it makes your hair kind of stand up a little bit. And he saith unto me. Now look at this. This is significant. Seal not the sayings of this prophecy of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So keeping this scripture in mind, thinking about what we just read in verse number two of chapter one, God said, John, everything that you hear, everything that you see, you be accurate with it. And God said this in the scripture, and everything you see, everything you heard, he said, seal not the saints. That means don't hide anything. He said, you tell it all. Now, if you go back to verse number two in chapter one, it's exactly what the word says. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things, not some things. God didn't even specify, John, I know what we're getting ready to get into is going to be so far fetched in your mind You're not even going to be able to remotely grasp it. But he said, doesn't matter. I want you, whatever you hear, you write it. Whatever you see, you write it. I want you to look at this. He said, I want you to tell of all things. So in this particular point that I want to make is this, because Revelation is a book of prophecy. Probably one of the most Uh, awesome books of prophecy that we reference a lot is the book of Daniel. Daniel is a book of prophecy like Revelation is a book of prophecy. And so what God told John to do, he said, tell it all, write it all, tell it all, seal not the book, keep it open, tell it all. But that's not, this is what chilled me. That's not what God told Daniel. In fact, God told Daniel the very opposite of what he told John. And I want you to see this in Daniel chapter 12, verse number 4. Because this is a prophetic book as well. And so this is what the scripture says. But thou, O Daniel, look at this, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time, look at that, of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And so God the Holy Spirit, he is saying, Daniel, it is not your day. It is not your prophecy to tell it all. He said, what you know and what you have seen and what you have heard, he said, that's where it needs to rest. He said, seal the book. Keep it contained. But here we go from Daniel. We go all the way to Malachi. 400 years of silence. Then angels start popping out of everywhere. Fear not. 
And then we have this journey through the Gospels, and then we have the epistles of Paul, and now we're coming down to the island of Patmos, and John the Revelator, now God is telling him, he said, hey, I want you to keep that book open. Do not seal it. I want you to tell everything you see, everything you saw, write it down, tell it all. When I studied that, when I looked at it, I said, man, that is totally awesome. Two prophetic books. God's telling one of his prophets, that's enough. Seal the book. But you get here on the island of Patmos and God is saying, open it wide open. Put the pedal to the metal is what he's saying. Daniel was not allowed. And you, you see it. Old Daniel, shut up the words. Seal the book even to the time of the end. So Daniel was not allowed to write of all that he saw. What was sealed with Daniel has now become unsealed in the apocalypse. That's amazing. That's deep, but this book is deep. And we have to just wrap ourselves around it. So having said all of that, even Daniel, when he wrote in another passage, I believe it's chapter 12, but he wrote, he said, what I'm writing, he said, I don't understand. I don't have a clue. I write, but I understand not. God told him to shut the book, seal the book. I have had people to tell me all throughout my ministry, some in this church, some in different churches, some people have... I've run into people where they say, we don't, we don't want the revelation. We don't want to study the book of Revelation. It's too complicated. It's too frightening. It's too scary. And I will tell you this. I know some preachers who feel that way. But I will, I will tell you something, and I'm embarrassed to say this. But there's a lot of preachers who will not preach Revelation. is because they're too lazy to study I'm telling you, I could walk up here probably on any Sunday and open that Bible and I could preach wherever it unfolded. But I can't do that with this. Now, this is this is something you gotta have both hands on the wheel. You gotta be buckled up, you gotta be prayed up, tuned up. This is not one of those kind of books. And so this is what I believe. As complicated as it is, and we're going to see how in the world can this happen and that happen. We're going to get to all of these stretched things that stretches our minds and our hearts and ideologies. But this is what I believe, that God does not want this book to be a mystery to us. He does not want it to be a secret. He doesn't want it to be something, we don't talk about that here. It's, it's too frightening. We don't want to talk about that. That's not God's plan for us. He told John, he said, listen, put the pedal to the metal. I want you to write what you see, write what you saw. Don't seal the book. He said, let it fly. So God is telling us he does not want it to be a mystery. All right, 
These are just some things that I gleaned from verse 2. That's a lot of stuff in verse 2. All right, now let's look at verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. All right, now, without question, but this, this is one of those verses that we don't have to spend forever and a day on. And, and we don't need to go into the Old Testament to, to bring up, uh, passages of cross-reference. And this is a, one of those verses that speaks for itself. Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that hear these words and keeps these words. Now, so what I glean from this verse, verse three, and there's several things that I want to show you here, is that God wants us to read this book. He does not want us to sit on it. He doesn't want us to shun it. He doesn't want us to exclude it from all the others. He wants us to read it. Look at it. He wants us to read it. He wants us to hear it. And he wants us to keep it, to believe it, to practice it. And uh, I will tell you, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us in all things, to guide us in every aspect of our study. But I, when people tell me this stuff, it's too complicated. It's it's too deep. Well, first of all, who is it that helps us to understand John 3.16? Who helps us? It's the Holy Spirit. Who helps us to really Get the spiritual truths out of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Who helps us? And, and, and the, <clears throat> who helps us with the scripture? Jesus wept. It's the Holy Spirit. We, we cannot preach. We cannot teach. We cannot sing. You cannot have a jail ministry. You cannot usher. You cannot play. In. You've got to have the Spirit. You have to. Otherwise, it's all a show. It's, it's all entertainment. Now, there's a scripture in John 16, verse 13, and I want you to remember this. When, if you ever get so scared of scripture, but believe me, that's not of God. That if you get scared of scripture, you can rest assured it's not the Holy Spirit breathing fear to you. Now look at the scripture. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. So when you say, I don't understand it, I cannot get it, it's too deep and it's too complicated, rely on John 16, 13. He will guide you. You see that? He will guide you into what? All truth. Now look at the latter part of that. And he, the Holy Spirit, will show you things what? To come. That's prophecy. That's the prophetic word. He will show you things to come. So, revelation is given to us with an invitation of God to just baptize ourselves in it, to study it, and to apply it to our heart. Now, you may have never thought about this before. And I'm almost positive you haven't. But in the Gospel of Matthew, there, there are there's certain passages of Scripture that we refer to as the Beatitudes. And just as 
there were Beatitudes given on the Sermon on the Mount. I think that verse number three actually begins the first of seven Beatitudes, and, and I want you to see how I apply that truth uh, to this thought uh, that's given in the Apocalypse. Uh, and the first of the sevens, look at this. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written for the time is at hand. Okay, verse 3 is the first, what I believe, what I consider, of the first of the seven Beatitudes that is given to us in the Apocalypse of Revelation. The next two that's given to us, and I'm, I'm this is one of those reluctant times that i got to push the fast-forward button uh, to draw the illustration. But the next two relates to the Great Tribulation. For example, look in chapter 14, verse 13. And uh, this is one of the things that I don't want to get bogged down with, is getting way ahead of ourselves and then putting the thing in reverse and getting back to where we were. But I have to in a couple of places. This is one of them. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, the Spirit, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Then in chapter 16, verse 15, I want you to see this. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Okay, so in verse 3, we're, we're in this word blessed. And you know, you're very familiar with the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness and so forth. All right, the fourth is in Revelation 19, verse Number nine, and that deals with uh, Armageddon. Look at this. And he saith unto me, write, blessed. You see this? We're going through the beatitudes of the apocalypse. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. All right? And then the fifth is in Revelation chapter 20, verse number six. Blessed. You see this? Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, now, the last two of what I call the Beatitudes of the Apocalypse is in chapter 22, verse number seven. Let's look at this. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And then verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So as we have Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew, this is what I call the, the Beatitudes, blessed Beatitudes of the Apocalypse. And it refers, this one particularly, to the celestial city. All right, the blessing about these scriptures, it relates to those. Everything that I just gave you, it relates to those who hear what this book has to say and to those that heed the words of this book. Now, verse number three also teaches us another element, and that is this. 
that the time is at hand. What does that mean? Of course, there are two advents of the Lord's return. One is the rapture. And we believe the rapture to be imminent. That means it could happen at any point, any any moment. Unbeknown to us, but it's known to God. So for anybody to say, well, the, the rapture cannot be imminent. Listen, that that deflates everything you already know about Bible prophecy because the Word t- teaches us clearly that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is going to come, right? Isn't that what the Word teaches? Nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. The man who wrote 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88, he sold a million books. But there, there are people that have produced videos and and YouTubes and all this stuff about when Jesus is coming back is fruitless. It's frivolous. Only God knows. And but but listen carefully. He's not playing this thing by ear. God has a day. He has a date. He has a time. He knows where you will be, where I will be. Some of us may be in heaven. Some of us may be working here in our church. I don't know, but God knows. So the thing is this, it's imminent. So, and I preached this in the study of Second Peter. I got to close here. It's 8 o'clock. Man, it feels good to be going through the scriptures like this. The only person, or let me narrow it down even further, the only apostle who did not have, he did not have the blessed hope that Jesus would return in his lifetime. The only apostle was Simon Peter. Because Jesus told Peter, you remember when Brother David just read the scriptures just a few minutes ago that God told Moses he would die? Jesus told Peter the same thing. So I want you to see this in John chapter 21, and I'll close with verse number 18 and 19. John 21, verse 18 and 19. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands. If you're not familiar with the way that Peter died, he was crucified upside down. His hands were nailed to a cross as well. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee wherever thou wouldest not. In verse 19, this spake he, Jesus, signifying by what death Peter, he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Jesus told Peter, hey, you're going to die. Before the rapture, before the return, you're going to die. He's the only apostle that did not have the blessed hope as we who pray, we should be praying every day, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. We should be praying and waiting and longing for him to come today. All of us, we don't know. He could come. He could come before the service is over with. I hope he does. 
For the sake of this country, I hope he does. We're in a mess, aren't we? The only thing that's going to fix that is the Prince of Peace. I'm telling you right now, when you've got the Russians now conspiring with the Chinese and Saudi Arabia with the Iranians. I preached a message not too long ago about us being in World War III and the, the clock is ticking fast. We're in a mess. And we pray every day, Lord Jesus, even so, come quickly. You remember that old hymn we sang, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Well, this has been good. Amen. It's a good study. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.